Church, how are you? Great to see you. Hey, my name is Mike, if we haven't met yet, and I serve on the team here at Active, and we're honored that you're here. And if you've been here for a bit, you know that we have three initiatives that we have been working on, and we hope to raise some resource for so that in 2024, we can begin to do three specific things. One of those things is to expand this room so that the wing area is a great experience, just like the center area is. And if there's a day that you can be reminded that we need room in the wing area, it's today. Take a look to your right and to your left. Hi, wing people. We're glad that you're here this morning. You're so far away. I'm so glad that you're here. And uh, we're working towards that, so uh, it it will be a better experience as we move forward. But we're honored that you are a part of the story that God is writing here, especially if this is your very first time. Our team at Guest Central would love to meet you and give you a free gift. I want to pray some words over you, and then we'll dive into the story of God together. Heavenly Father, thank you for these few minutes together. Thank you, God, that this is a place where everyone has a seat at the table. And thank you that you are a God that invites us to the table. And so would you do a great work in us? Would you confront the areas in our life that we haven't addressed yet? Would you deal with the areas in our life that we have been unwilling to deal with? And God, would you be kind and be gracious like you are as we deal with those things? Would you renew and refresh our hearts and our minds? And we thank you, God, that You love us the way that you do, and you are for us and not against us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And together we say amen and amen and amen. Something that not many people know about me that I'm going to share with you today so that you all will know is that I love spoilers. I am the guy that will know about the movie before we go and see the movie. I'm the guy that will know about the TV show before we go and see the TV show. And I don't know if it's the anxiety in me. I don't know if it's my ability to want to control or trying to control everything. Uh, Maybe it makes me feel like I'm trying to control everything or have some sort of control. But I have to know before I go. I have to know before I watch. And specifically, when it comes to movies, typically the movies that I will look at before we go are the Marvel and, and, and DC movies. So if you have questions about that, I'm your guy. And if it's TV shows, typically it's the Marvel TV shows or the Star Wars TV shows. I'm your guy. Anybody watching Loki right now? Because I'm watching Loki. If you want to know all the secrets behind the scenes, I'm your guy. I would love to tell you all about that because I am the guy that loves spoilers. But I do need you to know that I will not share spoilers unless you ask me. I will not share spoilers with you unless you want to know. But if you ask, buckle up, nerds, because I got a ton of information for you. Now, I won't spoil a, spoil a movie and I won't spoil a TV show, but I will spoil the stories that are in the scriptures. And today, I want to share a spoiler with you. I want to take you to an ending part of a story, to the end of a story that's incredible. And I want to share with you what happens, and then we'll go back to the beginning and we'll find out how we get there. And if you're upset that I'm sharing this spoiler with you, listen, the scriptures have been around for about 2,000 years, so you've had enough time to read it, okay? 
Now you're just being lazy, all right? And so don't get mad at me, but this story is so incredible, so powerful, and I want to share the end, and then we'll talk about the beginning. And it's found in the document of Acts, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 4. If you do have a Bible with you, or you have access to the Bible app, I want to invite you to open it up and follow along, and we'll have the verses on the screen for you. Remember, this is the end of the story. Acts chapter 3, verse 4, reads this way. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. And he jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. That's the end of the story. And it's a powerful, beautiful, better story. But the question is, how, how did we get there? And in order to answer that question... We're going to have to ask a bigger question that goes along with what we've been talking about the last few weeks. And that bigger question is this. How do you and how do I live with hope? How do we live with hope? And what we find at the beginning of this story is an answer to that question. And we'll dive in in just a moment. But if you haven't been here over the last few weeks, let me catch you up. We've been in a series called Hope is a Superpower. And we've been talking about how the hope of the world can be the hope in your world. And each week we've asked really important questions about this idea of hope. And in week one, we asked this question, what is hope? And we discovered that hope is placing your confidence in Almighty God, in week two, we asked this question, who needs hope? And we discovered that you do and I do, because hope brings certainty when there is uncertainty. And boy, do we need certainty because this world feels uncertain, and in our world it feels uncertain. And then last week we asked this question, how do we get hope? And we answer that question with a question, well, do you want hope? And we found out that we get to say yes to hope because Jesus invites us to say yes to hope. It's not something that's demanded of us or commanded of us or forced upon us that you and I get to decide if we want hope, if we want healing, if we want to be in relationship with Almighty God because of the person and the work of Jesus. Today, the question we're going to wrestle with is this about hope. How do we live with hope? And the answer, as I mentioned, is found before the end of the story. And so I want to take you to the before. And I want to tell you about two things. I want to tell you about the man in this story. And I want to tell you about the place that he's at. Because they're significant to this story. So if you do have a Bible or access to the Bible app, flip back to Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 2. Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 2. This guy that is in this story that went walking and jumping and running into the temple, praising God after he was healed, gets introduced to us by the author Luke, who's writing Acts, and he says that this man was lame from birth, meaning that he was unable to walk. And he's been that way since he was born. And there was this belief during that time that was really fascinating. 
The belief in that time was that people in certain conditions may, may physically are struggling or maybe mentally are struggling. The reason why they're in that position or that condition, according to the belief in that time, was because they were sinful or because their parents were sinful. This was the perspective that they held in the time of Jesus and in the time after that and even in the time before that. In fact, even the disciples, Matthew and Mark and John and Peter, Andrew and Nathaniel, all of them held this deeply rooted conviction that if you are struggling physically or you're struggling mentally, it was because you're a sinful person or because your parents sinned and you're suffering the consequences for their sin. John even records this in his letter as he tells the story of what it was like following Jesus. In John chapter 9 verse 1 we read, as Jesus went along he saw a man blind from birth. And so the disciples asked him, rabbi or teacher, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There it is. They believed that this person was in a bad spot because they were a bad person. And so they wanted clarity from Jesus in, in full innocence. They were asking Jesus, hey, here's what we've been taught. So tell us why this man is in this position. Was it because he's bad or because his parents were bad and he's suffering the consequences for that? And Jesus hears this and begins to work that theology out of them because it's terrible theology. It's terrible doctrine. Jesus says this, neither this man nor his parents sinned. So stop thinking that way, because if you want to land somewhere on what is sinful, that posture and that perspective is sinful. This has nothing to do with what he's done or what his parents have done. I think today we've inherited some of that perspective in how we speak to each other, especially in gatherings like this. Maybe you've heard or perhaps you've even said that the reason why somebody's in a bad spot is because they haven't prayed enough or they haven't prayed correctly. Or maybe you've said or had someone say to you that you're in a bad spot because you haven't believed enough or haven't believed correctly. And could I just be a voice of clarity? And it's not my opinion, it's the scriptures that speak on behalf of this. That's terrible theology. That's awful doctrine. And I would even say that you're teetering on the line of sin because Jesus says to the disciples and he says to us, that's not the case at all. What he's not saying is that our sin doesn't have consequences. Our sin does have consequences. Our bad decisions does bring hurt and harm. But Jesus isn't addressing that here. What he's addressing is this perspective that you're in a bad spot or they're in a bad spot because you're a bad person or they're a bad person. And Jesus goes, no, that's not it at all. And then he says something really unique. He says this, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. This happened so that he would know that God is for him and that when God does a work in him, he wouldn't give credit to anybody but almighty God. He's been born with the lack of sight in this particular story. And if you're familiar with the story, he's given his sight back by Jesus. And the only thing that this man responds with is, I can see and thanks be to God. There's a powerful story being written here and Jesus wants his disciples to know and the readers of this letter to know and you and I to know that it's not because this man is awful or he's bad that he's in this position. 
but because God is so good and he's about to do a good work in his life. And this may have been the reason why we have this story in Acts chapter three. Because Peter and John are spending a moment of time with somebody that years prior to this, they would have assumed was just somebody that was sinful or awful or his parents were sinful and awful. But we read in this story that Peter and John give this man attention. They spend a moment with him and he's at a gate. And and this gate is something that Luke tells us about in verse two. He says, the man was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple court. And the reason why this guy was at the temple was because this was the place where they assumed he could get the best help possible. And this was something that he had been doing since he was little. In fact, we read later on in Acts chapter 4, verse 22, that this man was over 40 years old. So this wasn't something new to him. This wasn't something that was fresh to him. He's been doing this for a while and his family and his friends have been carrying him to this temple gate. And he was known at the gate. In verse verse 10 of chapter three, we read that they recognized him as the man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. Can we talk about this gate for a moment? This gate in history is called the Nicanor Gate. And the reason why it's called the Nicanor Gate is because somebody by the name of Nicanor made a donation to the temple and they named the gate after this family. But it was called the Beautiful Gate because of the resource that was put into the gate. It was made of the best bronze. And every day, this guy would be brought to the gate for two reasons. The first reason that he was brought to this particular gate is because behind this gate was something called the court of women. In the temple, it was divided into certain places where certain people could go. And there was a place in that time where the women would go to worship God, to sing to God, to honor God, and to serve each other. They called it the court of women. And the reason why this man was set outside the temple gate called Beautiful was because most of the people that would be walking through this area would be women, would be females. And historically and in biblical history, the people who are the most generous, the people who are the most loving, the people who are the most merciful, the people who are willing to share what it is that they have in their bank account with those that they know and they don't know are women. The ladies have been the reason why we have the story of Jesus because they funded Jesus. We talk about Peter and James and John and all of these guys who do incredible work and they should be honored, but we often don't talk about the women who worked behind the scenes to fund the movement of Jesus because they were generous. They connected their hearts to their hands. And so every time he would be laid at this gate, women would be coming and going from the temple. And more often than not, he would be served by the women They would give him food. They would give him resource to take care of him. Because in this story and in history, we see that women are the most generous, the most merciful, and the most kind. There is another reason why he would be placed at the temple gate called Beautiful. This was the place where unclean people could go and only go. 
So you know that theology of, oh, who sinned, him or his parents, that he's bad, and so that's why he's in a bad spot? That theology wasn't just something that regular people held. It was something that the people who led the temple and were a part of Judaism and were a part of the religious expression of worshiping God, they believed it too. They believed that if you get close to anybody unclean, you would be unclean. And they believed that if you allowed somebody unclean into the temple, it would make the temple that was holy an unholy place. And we know that that's terrible, awful, bad theology and doctrine because God himself, in the form of Jesus on earth, was somebody that interacted with everybody. And it was Jesus that would place his hand upon those that were sick and that were broken. It was Jesus that would embrace and hug those that were filled with all sorts of diseases. And he didn't get sick. They got well. And you may have experienced this in your life and just how things have gone in your heart and in your mind when it comes to the things that you have done. Maybe when it comes to your sin. That your interaction with Jesus has changed you. This is the story that we find before the end of the story of a man at the temple gate called Beautiful and interacting with men and women, specifically women, to be served and to be loved. And so the question we have to wrestle with is, so how does this, how does this story teach us how to live with hope? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the answer is found in what we've been teasing out and discovering the last few weeks. We've learned that hope is placing your confidence in God. It's finding certainty in Almighty God, and we get to choose that. And that's what this man believed. It was the reason why he was at the gate. See, he believed that only God can heal and make things whole. He was confident in God, and so whether he asked to go to the temple or those around him brought him to the temple without him asking, we don't know. But what we do know is that every single day he was brought there because he was confident that the healing that he needed was found in the hands and in the heart of Almighty God and in the people that follow Jesus. He was also convinced that when you don't know what to do, turn to the one who knows. There was certainty that was found in his heavenly Father. And none of this makes sense. Why was I born this way? Why do I have to live like this? None of this made sense to him. It almost seemed a bit unfair. And yet, he was taken to the temple gate called Beautiful because he was certain that because he didn't know, God knew. And he was going to trust and be confident in Almighty God. And then the third conviction that he held was that every better story is found when you follow Jesus. He chose to be there, and he experienced that with the women specifically that would walk in and out of the temple because they cared for him. And because he's around 40 years old, he may have had an interaction with Jesus. He may be very aware of the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. This guy isn't unfamiliar with what has happened in his city and in that surrounding area. And so the reason why he shows up is he believes that his better story is found when he chooses to follow Jesus. And the best he can do is show up. He's choosing to live with hope. And each of those characteristics of hope have one major thing in common. And that major thing in common is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. And that's important because hope is found in the waiting. Think about your life. Think about all of our lives. We all have, at least in some portion of our life or some 
part of our life. We're living in what's called the not yet. Are you married? Not yet. Did you buy the house? Not yet. Did you get the raise? Not yet. Did you hear about the job? Not yet. When are you going to have kids? Not yet. (laughs) Have you seen people with kids? I'm not having kids, right? Like, we all live in some version of not yet, don't we? And then it goes deeper than just everyday life. Are you the person that you want to be, that you dreamed about when you were little? Mm, Not yet. Are you living in the purpose that you believe God has given you fully? Hmm. Not yet? Are you trusting and honoring God with everything, your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength? Not not yet. We all live in the not yet, don't we? And yet we're confident that God is for us, and yet we're certain that God is working things out, and yet in this middle waiting period, we're confident and certain and we're choosing to follow Jesus because we believe that Jesus not only holds the future, but he's telling the future, he's writing the future, and he has our future in his hands and in his heart and in his mind. It's why he made us. It's why he created us. And so we live in the not yet. We live in the waiting. We live with hope, believing that God is up to something in this. It just hasn't happened right now, in this moment. And many of you, as you think about this, I think you live in the waiting. I think you live in hope more than you realize. Think about how Christians respond when bad things happen in their world or in the world around them. You may hear phrases like, well, I know this thing took place, but God's still on the throne. What is that? You know what that is? It's you saying, I'm confident that God's got this. Or maybe when something bad happens, you say, well, Jesus is coming soon. What is that? You know what it is? It's you saying that the future is in his hands. And so I'm good and you're good because our hope is placed in him. Now, I know that those might be cheesy Christian phrases that we throw out. and Maybe we can articulate it a whole lot better. But that's what we're communicating. And the writers of the scriptures did the same thing. Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, wrote a letter called Philippians. And in Philippians chapter 2, verse 10, he says, At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. That everything submits and surrenders to Almighty God through the person and the work of Jesus. Nothing happens that God isn't aware of, and nothing happens that God doesn't actually allow to happen. What he's saying, here's the point, we live in the not yet, we live in the waiting, and yet we place our hope, our confidence, our certainty in Jesus because he's got us and he's got this. And some of us, that's all that we have. For some of us, is the, thing, the things we're carrying personally and relationally and things that we're carrying in our world and in the world, that's all that we got. And what we learn in this story is that's enough. We believe that God is going to make things right and that God is going to make things right when it's right. And we trust that. We're confident in that. We're certain. 
That's why we place our hope in him. Because hope is found in the waiting. Question, how do you do with waiting? When you're waiting for the table, you're waiting for the waiter to notice you. We've been here for 15 minutes. Hello, right? Where is our food? It's sitting up there. Do you see it sitting under the heat lamp? It's going to be cold when it gets here, right? How do you do with waiting? How do you do with waiting in, in traffic? Where are all these people going, right? And why are they in my way? <laughs> How do you do in the waiting room? And then when you get into the doctor's office, you know what you have to do in the doctor's office after you leave the waiting room and you get into the doctor's office? You wait, right? I think it's just a power play. Honestly, I think it's a power play. I really do. If you're a doctor, I'd love to talk to you about that because I think that it could be a bit more functional. I really do. I do. <laughs> How do you do with waiting? Obviously, I struggle with waiting. <laughs> I don't know if you could tell. My, my dad is uh, the king of dadisms, and unfortunately, I've inherited all of them. Um, and and I, found, I find it funny now just to throw out dadisms at the dinner table with my kids because I get the eye roll, I get the deep breaths, I get the, don't ever say that again, dad. It's so much fun. It's, it's, it's like the gift that I just keep on giving. It's my Christmas gift to my kids. It's fantastic. But my dad has this one particular phrase that he'll say pretty often. Whenever he's waiting, he's one of the most impatient men that I've ever come across. Dad, I know you're watching. I love you. Uh, But he's one of the most impatient men at times that I've ever come across. And he'll say, as he's being impatient, he'll say, I could wait all day because I have patience I haven't even used yet. And it's his folksy way of saying, I've never been patient, so I have it all stored up in my patient bank account. And I could use it at any point, but he never does. Dad, you never do right? And I've inherited that. <laughs> but he's, he's on to something. The key to waiting is patience. And you and I have patience. Because when you and I trust in Jesus, we have what's called the Holy Spirit that lives within us. God's Spirit. And the results of the work of God in you and in me is, is talked about in the scriptures as the fruit of the Spirit. If you ever wonder if God is doing a good work in you, the answer is very clear in the scriptures. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes to people like you and I about the results of the work of God in you and in me. And if you ever wonder, like, is God doing anything in me? Am I, am I following Jesus correctly? Am I doing this right? The answer is found in the fruit of the Spirit, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, we use words like righteousness and holiness, which are appropriate words that we see in the scriptures. But what Paul does is he takes all of that and he brings it to real life. He puts it on the ground and he says, you want to know if God's doing a good work in you? When you trust in Jesus, you get the spirit of God in you. And the result of that is love. There's more love coming from you. You're doing what love requires. You're choosing a posture of joy, not just happiness. You have love and joy. You You have peace, even when things feel a bit unpeaceful. You're kind and you're gentle. You're faithful because God is faithful to you. You have patience. You have self control. You know what's so remarkable about when we trust in Jesus? that it isn't just in word, and then we try to like grin and bear it, cross our fingers, and maybe we'll be able to be good followers of Jesus. Jesus doesn't invite us into that at all. The reason why we can use words like transformation 
and forgiveness and freedom is because the spirit of almighty God lives within you and lives within me when we trust in Jesus. The same spirit, by the way, that resurrected Jesus from the grave. So maybe our language could change a bit from, I can't do that, to, I won't do that. Because when you trust in Jesus, there is no such thing as can't. Because the same spirit that defeated death and the grave lives within you and within me. And so, maybe we just need to be honest with ourselves and go, no, it's not about I can't, it's about I won't. We all have an opportunity to say yes. We learned that last week to the hope that's found in Jesus. But how do we live with hope? We live with hope in the waiting. And that takes patience something that God gives to you and gives to me. The result of God's completed work in you will produce patience. Maybe you ask the question, well, well, then what happens if you're not patient? Does that mean that God's not doing a good work in me? No, not at all. That's not what's happening at all. What's happening in your life is that you're learning to trust God with your life. And so in those moments where you lack patience, dad, are you paying attention? In those moments where you lack patience are moments where you need to learn to be confident and be certain in almighty God. You're still learning how to do that. It doesn't mean that God's work is incomplete. It means that you have some work to do to trust in Almighty God who has done all of the work for you. And that's where hope is found. And and truthfully, it's hard to wait. And it's why we need the power of Almighty God in us. And sometimes God doesn't move on our timetable. God doesn't hit the dates that we want him to hit. But when we place our hope in Jesus, it changes how we see this world and how we see our world. Hope is confident that God will do the best thing in the best time and in the best way. Hope is confident that God will do the best thing in the best time and in the best way. I have an idea of what the best thing should be. And I have a roundabout time when that thing should happen. And I believe that the best way is my way. But when I place my hope, my confidence, my certainty in Almighty God, that I'm relinquishing control and I'm believing that He's going to do the best thing in the best time and the best way. And in the meantime, I'm going to wait. In the meantime, I'm going to be patient. Because I believe that God is up to something. Here's how the prophet Isaiah spoke about it. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, he said, speaking on behalf of God, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is what God is reminding us. I got you and I got this. Isn't that why we say he's still on the throne? Isn't that why we say Jesus is coming soon? Isn't that why, G- why Paul writes that, that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord? Because hope believes in the better story God will tell long before it's been told. It's why in this story this man keeps showing up. Maybe today's the day and if it's not today, maybe it's tomorrow because my confidence is in Almighty God and He is working all things out for me. Maybe today's the day, and if it's not, then maybe right now is not the best now. And I'll keep leaning in, and I'll keep waiting, and I'll keep choosing 
to be patient. And maybe for some of you, you might push back and go, yeah, I get it, Mike, but that sounds a bit naive. Sounds a bit like blind faith. And perhaps you might be on to something. If there wasn't a resurrection, but because Jesus resurrected from the grave, I'm going to place all of my hope and all of my confidence and all of my certainty in him. And I'm going to believe that his timing is going to be perfect timing, even if it's not on my schedule or on my calendar or by my watch. If there's no resurrection, then you're right. This is naive. If there's no resurrection, then you're right. This is blind faith, and we should try to figure something else out. But Jesus is alive. And because he's alive, I will choose to turn my attention to him. And that's what this guy is doing at this gate. So how do we live with hope? The answer is found in what happens before the end of the story with this man at the temple gate. He waited with confidence because he believed in a God who showed up in the person of Jesus who rose from the grave and he found hope because hope is experienced in the waiting. Waiting for the better story. So what are you waiting for? What redemption, restoration, reconciliation, what renewal are you waiting for? Waiting is where hope is found. And if this story is to be believed, and I think it is because it's a true historical story, then here's what we can be confident in. Hope is on the way. Let me take you back to the end of the story. In verse 8, he jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And how did he get there? Because he had hope. Not in a possibility, not in crossing his fingers. He had hope in a person, and that person is Jesus. And Jesus defeated death and the grave, and he was confident in that. Hope is convinced if God did it then, then he will do it again. If God did it then, then he will do it again. If God did it then, then he will do it again. When will it happen? I don't know. How will it happen? I'm not sure. But you know what I'm sure of? You know what I'm confident in? You know who I'm certain in? Jesus. And I believe that that's the best place to put all of the weight of your life. He is the best person to trust with everything in your life. So let me ask you again. What are you waiting for? Or maybe a better question is this. What are you hoping for? Could, could you do me a favor? Could you, could you pull out your phone? You're not going to get in trouble. Some of you are like, oh, let me just get off Instagram real quick and I'll go right over to. <laughs> I know, I used to sit in those seats too. Would you open up uh, a blank page, maybe a notes page in your phone? And at the very top, would you type, what am I hoping for? And then underneath that, 
Would you just take a moment to write down what you're hoping for? Like what, what is it that you would love to see redeemed? That you would love to see renewed? Restored? Who is it that you would love to be reconciled with? But it feels like it's hopeless? What are you hoping for? Is it something personal in you? God, maybe it is that I won't, not that I can't. Is it a personal struggle or personal issue? Is it a relational struggle or relational issue? What are you hoping for? And here's why I believe that we should place it and put it in front of us. Because often what we won't do is lay that before God. We'll find every reason that we can come up with to try to solve the problem on our own and not take it to the one who defeated death in the grave. And so maybe today we can pivot a bit and we can still do all the things that we're trying to do, but maybe we could start with, what am I hoping for? And we declare it, we say it, we shout it before God. God, this is what I'm hoping for. And I'm confident that you're at work. And I'm certain that you know about this. And I'm choosing to lay this before you because there's no one else that can solve this for me. This is what we do when we trust in Jesus. This is what we do when we follow Jesus. This is what we do when we have hope. So what are you waiting for? What are you hoping for? I want to invite you, if, if you're able, would you, would you stand to your feet? I want to invite you to just lay whatever it is in your hand, face up. Let those words be face up. And in just a moment, I want to pray some words over the words that you have written down. But this week, I want to invite you that every time you bow your head, every time you go before the Lord, whether it's a time where you eat or whether it's a time in the morning or whether it's with a spouse or a significant other, that you would take a moment and you would ask God to do what only God can do in this thing that you've written down. And I know for some of you, you're like, man, it's hard to pray. It's hard to know what to say to God. I got you. Let me, let me give you some words that can get you started before you start to think about your words. Let me just give you some words that are helpful. We, we sang them earlier today. It goes this way. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have, don't miss this. All I have needed, thy hand is provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. God, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. Good, that's fine. Start with these words. And I'm gonna pray these words over what it is that you are praying for. I'm gonna pray these words over what it is that you are hoping for. I'm gonna pray these words over what it is that you long for God to do what only God can do. So if you have those words laid out in front of you, Place it in your hand in front of you. And, and if I may have the privilege of just praying for that, I will. And so Heavenly Father, we have so many things that we're carrying. We have so many struggles that we're holding on to. We have so many burdens that are, are just overwhelming. 
And we lay those before you and we believe that great is your faithfulness. We have things that when we wake up in the morning, we feel, we experience, we're considering, we're thinking about, and we lay those before you, believing that morning by morning, new mercies we will see. God, sometimes our hope is struggling and and weary because we're not sure if we're going to have the resource to meet the demands that are in front of us or the energy or the strength that's in front of us. And so we, we pray, all I have needed, thy hand has provided. God, we pray, great is your faithfulness. In this that we've written down, we say it to you, we declare it to you, and we believe that you and only you will bring resolution in the right time, in the right moment, in the right way. And we pray all of this because Jesus is alive and we trust in him. And it's in his name that we say, amen and amen.